This is a message by Pastor Mark Fox at Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. For more information about the church, go to antiochchurchnc.org. Nearing the end of 1 Peter, we're in chapter 5, and we're doing verses 8 to 9. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Amen. Thank you, Brent and worship team. Welcome, Antioch. It's good to see a full house today and all of you at home who are watching in your bathrobes. We're glad you're here with us as well. How many of you put on your humility this morning? Are you clothed with humility? Raise your hand if you're clothed with humility. <laughs> How many of your wives said this week, honey, did you put on your humility today before you go out to work? As we look at verses 8 and 9, and I was going to finish the book today, but I just couldn't bring myself to it. So we're going to milk this for the next six months. No, I, I will, by God's grace, finish uh, the book next week. But these two verses were too power-packed. Power for me to go even beyond them. So I remind you that we talked about humility last week, and we talked about it being a, an operating system. You have an operating system on your computer? Well, you have an operating system in your life as a Christian, and it is humility. The operate, operating system for Jesus Christ was humility. He humbled himself before the Father, before the foundation of the world, and said, yes, I will go, and I will suffer, and I will die. And so we call, we're called to humble ourselves under the same mighty hand of God, we cast our anxieties on Him, and we rejoice in the truth that we are, as Lisa pointed out last week, we are the object and the care of His love. For God so loved the world. So under His care and in His arms is where we are, and it's really the only place to be, you know, under His care and in the arms of Jesus, especially knowing that we have a real enemy, we have a real enemy that is seeking to devour us. I don't, don't normally plug anything on Netflix, but I will say there's a good series on Netflix called Predators, and it takes a look at some of God's creations, cheetahs, lions, pumas, polar bears, and wild dogs. It's a fascinating walk through the lives of these five creations of God who were created to see, seek and to stalk and to devour their prey. And boy, they have, they're, they're skilled predators, especially the big cats, right? They have the advantage, these big cats, of being smarter, stronger, and faster than the animals that they seek and devour. If there's one advantage the pitiful little antelope has, and I'm not sure it has any advantage against the big cats, but there is one advantage, I think, is that it believes in the big cats, those little bitty antelopes, when they're born, are taught from their mamas and their daddies from birth. There's an enemy out there, and it's seeking to devour you. So I'm going to teach you how to be careful and how to run fast. But you'll probably still be eating. Okay, so <laughs> the problem is, hey, latest survey in 2023 by, by the Barna Group, 40% of Americans do not believe in the devil. 40% don't believe in the devil. Well, the devil believes in, in them. On the other hand, uh, let's look at today's text and find out how real he is, but how we have an advantage 
Let's talk about our adversary, our resistance, and our brotherhood. So first, our adversary. John Piper said this, if we, if we know the Lord cares for us, which we talked about last week, should that make us careful or careless? I, I think Peter clearly believes that it should make us careful because he follows that promise be, because he cares for you. That's a promise. That's a promise. He follows that indicative, if you will, with two imperatives. Here's the indicative. He cares for you. You are the object of his affection. Here are the imperatives. Be watchful. Be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Why do we need that, Peter? I mean, come on. He cares for us. Yes, he does. But, but Peter would say, your adversary, the devil, is seeking you. We have an adversary. We need to know who he is. It's the devil. Peter doesn't say your adversary, the elders, <laughs> or your adversary, your wife, or your adversary, your boss, or your adversary, in, insert political party, whichever one you feels like is your ad- adversary. No, we have a real and powerful adversary that hates us and wants to destroy us. He's seeking us like a lion seeks his prey. Peter uses that imagery there, right? He's a roaring lion. He's seeking to devour you. That doesn't really resonate with Americans, does it? (laughs) Right? Unless you've been on safari in Africa, the closest you've been to a lion is on TV or maybe at a zoo. And they're pretty docile in that zoo behind those bars, aren't they? They told us in in Africa, whenever I went on safari with with anybody, they would tell us, now, as long as you're in this land, Land Rover... You're perfectly fine. The the lions are used to you being in this land land rover. But the minute you step out, you're the visiting team. And they're going to crush you. I remember hearing a story, and and one of the the, the guys, I'm off script here, but one of the guys told me there was a fellow there from another country. I won't name the country. I don't want to cast aspersions on that particular people group. But this guy didn't really understand uh, the instructions very well. He had actually brought, brought raw meat for this safari. Yeah, yeah. And so when they got close to a pride of lions, it was laying there, you know, happily, you know, uh, licking their paws or whatever they do when they're lying there. He got out of the Land Rover, and before the guide could grab him, he was over there offering raw meat to the, to the lion. And the lion took it. And not just what was in his hands. No, but when, when Peter wrote this, the Christians in, in, in the Roman occupation knew very well what he was talking about. They, were, they had seen the horrors of the persecution. They were getting ready to experience them in much greater detail and much greater force. Ignatius, who was the bishop of the church of Antioch, many years after Peter wrote this, he knew about this. As they led him to his death in the Colosseum, he said, let me be given to the wild beasts, for through them I can attain to God. I am God's wheat. And I am ground by the teeth of the lions, that I may be found pure bread. Come fire and cross and grapplings with wild beasts, wrenching of bones, hacking of limbs, crushing of my whole body. Come cruel tortures of the devil to assail me. Only be it mine to attain unto Jesus Christ. We have an adversary, the devil. And you know, adversary is a legal term. Um, And that is the strategy of the devil. Listen, he knows he cannot make an unbeliever out of a believer. Let's let's make sure we understand that. 
I hear there's a church in town that is gathering on a regular basis. Somebody, Elon, told me this at the Bible study. And what they're doing for hours is praying for believers who apparently have been possessed by the devil. Let me tell you, saints, that's not possible. The Holy Spirit will not share that space in you with anybody else, and especially not an unholy spirit. So if you hear about coming to those meetings, say, no thanks, I'm good. I've got the Holy Spirit. I'm not possessed of a devil, and I will never be possessed of a devil. So thanks for the invitation. So the word there, adversary, he, can't def- he cannot make an unbeliever out of us. He was defeated at the cross, and so because of that, Jesus said nothing, not one thing, not one person, not one entity can what? Snatch us from the Father's hand. And Jesus even doubled down on that. He said, neither can he snatch you from my hand. (laughs) So he's not going to get you. He's not going to get you, saints. But the devil is prowling around collecting evidence. Remember when he came before God and said, well, what about Job? (laughs) You know, he's got it going on down there. You let me pick on him a little bit. See, he wanted to find some evidence against Job that would would determine that Job, in fact, was not a follower of God. And so he's constantly collecting evidence on us, and he's a legal expert, but who cares nothing about justice. He hates God, and he will do anything he can to accuse his brethren. And though he he can't destroy us, he can make us fruitless if we allow him to. He can make us lose hope. He can make us uh, lose courage in, in the fight that we're in, uh, in this, on this battlefield um, for God. Jesus said of him, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He can't destroy believers, but he's looking for any opportunity to attack. He looks for opportunities. It's interesting, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul wrote this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Hmm. So anger can be a door where the enemy comes in and can um, mess with us. Enemy's real and the fight is real. So I think one of the main points that, that I want you to understand here is that, is that God's calling us not to be passive He's calling us to be active, to be sober-minded, clear in our thinking, to be watchful, awake and alert to the schemes of the devil, and to see ourselves as soldiers who go into battle, who are in battle. You're not dressed in camo right now. Most of you might be somebody in here, but most of you are not dressed in camo, but that's the idea. We're, we're not on a cruise, guys. We're, we're not on you know, the Royal Caribbean through the rest of our life. We're in the middle of a battle, and we have an enemy that wants to, to steal from us our joy, our, our faithfulness, our fruitfulness, if he can at all. When our children were little, we had to memorize Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 because we knew the battle was not really with their brothers and sisters. It looked like it a lot of times. But we knew the battle was with powers and principalities and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So the kids would stand up. Remember this, Micah? Would stand up every, every morning when we had family devotions and they would recite Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 while they acted out putting on the armor of God. They would put on symbolically the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace. They took up the shield of faith and and the helmet of salvation, and they took up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. They didn't understand then like I think they understand now. 
but we wanted them to see that God's spirit within us produces fighters, warriors for the kingdom, not pacifists. I mean, you might be a pacifist when it comes to military action in Ukraine or whether we should help Israel, whatever. That's political. Whatever you think about that is between you and God. But you are not allowed as a follower of Jesus to be a pacifist in the war that we're part of right now. And that's why Peter says, no, you're not going to stand, uh, uh, sit. You're going to stand. How do we fight then? That leads us to our resistance He says, resist him firm in the faith. Resist comes from two Greek words, stand and against. We stand against. We don't run from the adversary. We're never told to run from the devil. We're never told to run from demonic activity. We stand and resist, just as Jesus did in the wilderness. And we don't resist in our name. We resist in Jesus' name, firm in our faith. We don't resist in Jesus' name. We might end up like the seven sons of Siva. I love that story in the book of Acts. These guys, these seven sons, thought they tried casting demons out too. They'd seen it done, thought it was pretty cool. So they had a demon-possessed man there. So they said, I, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. And the demon, demons in the man said, Jesus we know, Paul we recognize, but who are you? And they beat the clothes off those guys. This one man filled with demons beat those seven brothers till they were wounded and naked and running out of the house, running for their lives. So here's the thing. They didn't stand against the devil in Jesus' name because they didn't know Jesus. If you know Jesus, you can stand against. If you know Jesus, you have to stand against. You don't flee. You don't run. Right? The righteous are as bold as a lion. We're not afraid of the lion's roar. Peter said our hope against the devil is our faith in Jesus, and we're to, we're to stand firm in that faith. It's exactly what James said in James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. That's the faith. Resist the devil. That's the fight. And he will flee from you. That's the victory. I mean, James said it about as clearly as it can be said there. When the enemy comes against you, even like a flood, your faith is in Jesus, not in yourself. We don't stand against him in our own strength, our own name, our own ability, our own anything. We stand in the name of Jesus and with the faith that we have in Jesus, and we resist him. And the promise there is that he will flee from us. Only settled faith can withstand the devil. So submit to God and stand in his authority. What if our faith fails? It will sometimes, won't it? Our faith will fail. In fact, Peter knew this as well as anyone in this room. Look at what Jesus said to him on Thursday night in the upper room. We've talked about this verse before, but it bears repeating. Jesus said to him in the upper room before he went out into the darkness... Before they went to Gethsemane, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. You see that? Jesus knew the devil was going to attack Peter. He knew that he wanted to have Peter. And Jesus prayed for Peter. And he tells Peter, I have prayed for you. And I have prayed specifically that your faith 
will not fail. You say, well, wait a minute. If Jesus prayed for Peter's faith to not fail, why did his faith fail? It's a good question, isn't it? Jesus knew that Peter would fail. His faith would fail. But the good news, I believe, is that Jesus knew Peter's faith would only fail temporarily. Because he says to him, I've prayed your faith may not fail. He could have inserted there, but faith, you, but Peter, you will fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. When you've turned again, Peter said to Peter, uh, Jesus said to Peter, this is not the end of your faith, Peter. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. But like a righteous man that falls seven times and gets up, you're going to get up too, Peter. By the grace I've given you, you're going to get up. And I'm praying that your faith will not fail permanently, and it will not fail permanently. The devil will not have you. You're mine. Peter's an example, I think, to all of us, that when we fail to resist the devil and he gets the better of us, that's not the end of the story. We, we don't throw off the belt of truth and lay down the breastplate of righteousness and cross over to the enemy camp and say, that's it, I'm done with Jesus, it didn't work, I tried it, you know, and my faith failed, and so I'm just going to go follow the devil. No, we don't do that. We don't become careless or begin to care less about walking out our faith. We get more careful, more sober-minded, more watchful. And I was reminded again of the words that we look at often, but by the grace of God, Paul said, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Paul said, I'm not a quitter, I'm a fighter, and I'm going to fight harder than anybody, but it's not me who's fighting, it's the grace of God who's fighting within me, because I will not be owned by myself or by others, including the enemy of my souls, my soul. Well, that leads us to the last point, which is our brotherhood. Peter closes the verse with that phrase, knowing that we can resist the devil, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Your brotherhood. I think one of the most common strategies of the devil is to convince a believer that no one knows what he's going through. No one has ever suffered like she is suffering, and you are all alone. That strategy worked with Elijah. Arguably the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. You remember the story? Elijah squared off with the 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, and he whipped them. It was like the sisters of the poor taking on the Georgia Bulldogs in football. I mean, he destroyed, he slaughtered them in every sense of that word. Remember at the end of that, end of that, he killed them. He killed 450 prophets of Baal. And then Elijah heard that Jezebel was out to get him. And he was, the Bible says, he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life. And he went and hid from Jezebel in a cave. He had just taken on 450 prophets of Baal and God had shown himself strong with fire from heaven. And Elijah killed those prophets. And then somebody said, you know, the queen, she's, um, she's going to get you. And he runs like a little girl. In fact, some of you are thinking, what in the world? 
What in the world was he thinking? You know what God said to him when God came? You know, God didn't have to look for him. He knew exactly where he was. You know what God said to him? Same thing some of you are thinking. What are you doing here, Elijah? (laughs) Why are you in this cave hiding? What are you doing here? You remember what Elijah said in response? It went something like this. I'm the only one in the world who's been faithful to you, God. I, even I, only me, nobody else is left, and now they're trying to kill me. See, Elijah had suddenly lost hope because of wrong thinking. His faith had transferred from God. Remember, he, he just looked to heaven. He poured all his water on the, on the offering, you know, until it was swimming. And then he just looked to God and prayed, and God sent down fire. What was that? That was faith. Not in Elijah, but in God. And now he's running from Jezebel because his faith has suddenly become about him. All right, now I'm trusting in myself and my ability to keep myself safe. I'm going to hide in this cave. God said, what are you doing? What's the saying? We can live 40 days without food, right? Three days without water, three minutes without air, but not a second without hope. I remember their experiment was done in the 50s with lab rats, and trust me, I bet they can't do this today, but they put lab rats in buckets of water to see how long they would last. They would not last on average more than two minutes before they gave up and drowned. Then the experimenter would do something different. He would watch a rat in the water until he thought, okay, it's just about to give up. And he would reach down and pick up the rat and pull it out of the water and hold it. You don't see that, but he really pulls it all the way out and he kind of cuddles that rat, right? And then he drops the rat down in there. What happened was after the experimenter had pulled the rat out and put it back in the water, it swam a lot longer than two minutes before it gave up. You know, the only thing that changed had been that it was it had been saved. So it gave it it gave the rat hope. The only thing that changed in that little tiny little rat brain was that rat believed there was something out there, someone out there who would rescue them. And so it gave them hope to go on. But saints, here's the point for us. They believed they were not alone in the struggle. Listen, if the enemy of our souls can convince us that we're all alone in the struggle, all alone in our suffering, we'll quickly lose hope. But what Peter reminds his readers here is that we are not alone. We're part of a brotherhood of believers, brothers and sisters together in the fight, battling side by side, each of us in Christ, and going through suffering together. You know, we talked about elders a couple of weeks ago. I reminded you that elders, plurality of elders is the New Testament model for leadership in the church. I mean, that's clear. If you read the New Testament, you can't come up with any other model other than that one. But one of the things we talked about was when Paul and Barnabas had planted those churches in the first missionary journey in Iconium and Lystra and Antioch and another Antioch, they came back through those same cities and they appointed elders in every church, plurality of elders in every single church to lead that be spiritual shepherds in that flock. But they did something else. They came back through the cities and they stopped in each church, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter 
the kingdom of God. He said, hey, guys, listen. Continue in the faith, understanding that you're going to go through and you're going through now trials and tribulations. That's part of it. But you're not alone. Strengthen one another. Stand together against the enemy. Stand with one another when there are trials. Persecution comes. Because together we stand. Divided we will fall. We will lose hope. We'll be scattered like sheep. But together with our shepherd in Christ, we will prevail. Christ promised it. Paul may have reminded them of Jesus' words. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevent, uh, come against it, prevail against it. We have an enemy, but he's already defeated. We're already victorious because of Christ, our champion. We stand against that enemy because of Christ and we stand in Christ and we have on the armor of faith and truth and righteousness. We're wielding the sword of the Spirit. That's why we need to know the Word. We wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I love what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10. This is the last thing I'll say. He says, because the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. The weapons of our warfare are mighty in God, not just for pulling down the strongholds of the enemy, but standing against him. How did Jesus defeat the devil in the wilderness, the temptations? What did he do? Did he fight him and he punch him in the jaw? What did he say to the devil? It is written, it is written, it is written. The Word of God. We have the Word of God in us. We have Jesus' Spirit in us. So saints, let's stop with this. Submit to God. Starts there. You can't stand against the enemy unless you first submit to God. Be under His authority. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Submit to Him. Walk in Him. Stand against the enemy. Don't run from Him. Stand against Him. He'll run from you. He'll run from Christ in you. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that we have the Spirit of God working in us and protecting our minds and our hearts from the enemy. We know that the enemy works through lies. He's the father of lies. And so, Lord, protect us as we learn the truth and know the Word and study the truth and are familiar with true doctrine, then we will be able to readily recognize false doctrine when it's preached through the devil who's using men and women sometimes, even men in the pulpits sometimes, to speak things that aren't from God. So, Lord, protect us and help us to submit to you and to stand against the devil and to see him flee. Lord, thank you for the brotherhood, the sisterhood that we have here in this family of faith. Continue to work in, in, in us and through us to reach this community and to love the community that's seated right here and those who aren't here as well, to love the community as brothers and sisters in Christ, not allowing the enemy to divide us in any way through wrong thinking. Watch over us, protect us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. Antioch meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at 1600 Powerline Road in Elon, North Carolina. For more information about Mark and the books he's written, go to jmarkfox.com.